Welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm JC, your regular host. Uh, we certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in to another episode. I guess we're getting close to 50 or 60 episodes right now. But you know, today it's an interesting day. Today is June 12th, 2021. And on this day in history, on uh, this very day in history, was Ronald Reagan's famous tear down this wall speech that he gave at the Berlin Wall. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Anyway, I love history. I thought that was quite an interesting piece of, uh, of, of trivia today. So um, take that for whatever it's worth. <clears throat> you know, I was doing some reading. Um, first of all, there was a really, a really interesting report that came out. Uh, on a regular basis, the Appalachian Regional Commission will come out with what's called their um, uh, chart book, which is a data overview of the whole Appalachian region. And what they do is actually compare, they go county by county, showing uh, numbers of, you know, I guess, uh, average lifespan, um, education levels, income levels, poverty rates, this, that, uh, and the other. It's a really great book, uh, a study that comes out on a regular basis, and you can go to arc.gov and get the book. Uh, however, if you wanted to have a link to click on, uh, if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia, we have the link up there that you can click on it and go right there and take a look. Uh, whenever these come out, I find these incredibly fascinating, so I wanted to just take a few minutes today just to kind of go over a little bit of what, uh, what was in those. Uh, but first of all, I uh, wanted to um, uh, bring up the last podcast that we did. We had a, an Appalachian author on, Bunny Madeiros, and it was a really fascinating conversation we had. And uh, a little bit of it was about her family history and uh, where they were from, um, what prompted her to write a, a book called The Friendliest Town on the Trail, which was about Damascus, uh, Damascus, Virginia, along the Appalachian Trail. However, there was a problem with the audio. And I was not able to fix that, but I uploaded it without knowing that there was a problem. I've left the episode up if anybody wants to try to listen to it. Uh, however, I contacted uh, Bunny Madeiros. We're going to get together again and do another episode uh, here in the near future. We'll talk again and talk a little bit about her books, uh, the uh, memoir that she uh, wrote, and what uh, what she's looking forward to writing next. But really, uh, She's a really fascinating person, so you can actually find her work on Amazon. I did put a link in the uh, in the uh, podcast description <coughs> for anybody that wants to go to uh, Amazon and check out her work. Um, but you know, my uh, nerd-like capacity to read. Um, not only was I reading information from uh, this book put up by the ARC, but I did manage to uh, a couple things I wanted to bring up um, here with you. Uh, here recently, this was quite interesting. Recently. I was able to try a new dessert. I've never had this in my life, but it's called dried apple stack cake. I'm not sure if anybody's heard that. Um, and well, some of you may have, some, many of you may have eaten it and wondering why I'm just now, at this point in life, trying this. Uh, it's a very distinctive Southern Appalachian cake. And I've found out that it goes by a few other, other names, like instead of dried apple stack cake, it may just go by apple stack cake or Confederate old style cake. Um, I was in Kentucky, and the, the folks over there will call it Kentucky Pioneer Wash Day Cake. And uh, so it's a mini, yeah, it's a multi-layered cake. It's not too sweet, you know. It's 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 uh, 
it's like stiff like cookie dough, right? And with the, you taste the ginger in it. Um, it has an apple filling. Uh, so it was kind of a tall cake, really moist, great cake. But to this day, I, like I, I was, I found out a little bit about that it's a, you know, a cake that's well not like you know, kind of has the roots here in, in Appalachia, and I had no idea. Um, but I was also reading from uh, a book that I mentioned on the podcast once before. Uh, it's uh, the, the Encyclopedia of Appalachia. I know this was written some years ago, but it's a really fascinating book. If anybody gets a chance to to read it, there's so much data in there. An interesting history. But there was one segment, this was uh, brought up on NPR.org, and I may have mentioned this before, but there's actually a section uh, in that book called uh, Colonials, uh, Colonial Survivals in Appalachian Speech. And uh, NPR put a, a sample up. I'm just going to read this from NPR's website. Contrary, contrary to the popular view that it is Shakespearean in character, Appalachian folk speech is much closer to the language of colonial America. It has preserved a record of colonial speech unequaled in any other American region, largely due to Appalachia's relative physical isolation during much of the 19th and 20th centuries. Differing agreement patterns between subject and verb, as in, we went to hunt for the horses, which was lost, or snails is large and common, and Two files was demanded by the Indians, which were once standard usage in north of England and in the Scottish lowlands, were also common in the writings of colonial America. Such constructions appeared in the speech of Appalachian natives well after their disappearance from mainstream American English. And I thought that was quite fascinating. That's uh, an excerpt from the Encyclopedia of Appalachia. That's also on Amazon if anybody's interested in picking that book up. It's a fascinating read, um, and that was a really good NPR interview that I read online. And I think they may have had that in a podcast at one point as well. But I did want to uh, address a couple of things here um, with the ARC report that was out. Um, the ARC, when it comes to a couple of topics I like to look at in these, uh, in these chart book reports, uh, specifically revolve around um, education and income and poverty rates. And I'm not going to dive too deeply into this because I have the link up and you can go find whatever area that interests you the most and read. Um, but when it comes to education, within the region, this was from this is right off the ARC.gov uh, website, which this is comparing rural America, uh, yeah, Appalachian rural versus non-Appalachian rural. And this is from the population and demographics. Appalachia trends older and has been declining faster since 2010. Though it has a smaller minority population, rural Appalachia does lead the rest of rural America in its growing African-American population. Approximately 7.8% of rural Appalachia's population is black, while only 6.5% of rural America's population is. Uh, that was that was interesting. I didn't know that fact. In Appalachian, this this was a report going from 2015 to 2019, which was right before the pandemic hit. So uh, we'll have some new numbers coming out on that, I'm sure, uh, in, the, in the near future. But here's the here's the numbers for Appalachian rural versus non-Appalachian rural. 
Uh, in Appalachia, there's 2,486,679 people. Non-Appalachian rural, this is not urban, it's all rural. Non-Appalachian rural is 13,200,302 people, which was a decrease in population of one half of a percent. The median age is 40, and 25.3% is minority. Now, when it comes to Appalachian rural, uh, that was a decline of 2.7% decrease in populations since 2010. Median age is higher, so our average age is 42, and the minority rate in Appalachia, rural Appalachia, is 12.1%. Uh, when it comes to education within the region, the high school completion prevalence among adults age 25 and over increased the most in central Appalachia and in Appalachia's most rural counties. With those improvements, the share of adults completing high school as of that 2015 to 2019 window had reached 79% uh, in central Appalachia and 81% in the region's rural areas. Central Appalachia, um, Appalachia, Kentucky, Mississippi, and uh, Virginia, and the region's most rural counties have the greatest improvement in the share with at least a high school diploma. So that's good for Central Appalachia and these other Appalachian areas that we've caught up with that. Um, as far as how we compare to non-Appalachian rural communities, uh, here in Appalachia, we have 84.2% with a high school diploma. In non-Appalachia, that is compared to 88.5%. So we're a little behind, but not too far. 9.5% have an associate's degree without a bachelor's degree. Compare that with 10.9% uh, with an associate's degree and no bachelor's degree in non-Appalachia rural communities. And as far as uh, those with a uh, bachelor's degree in rural Appalachia, 17.6% have a bachelor's. Uh, compared to uh, the rest of the rural America, 22%. Uh, the percentage of rural American adults aged 25 to 64 in the civilian labor force is about 9 percentage points lower than in uh, rural communities outside of the region. So the unemployment rate in rural Appalachia is also slightly higher than rural non-Appalachian regions. That was 5.3% versus 4.2%. Uh, when it comes to income and poverty, median household income in rural uh, Appalachian counties is more than $9,000 below that of households in rural communities in the rest of the country. That is a huge gap. That is a huge income gap. The share of rural American, uh, rural Appalachian residents living in poverty is five percentage points higher than in rural counties outside of the region. And that gap uh, is even wider among children, which stands at about seven percentage points. Uh, the lower levels of education and employment among adults in rural Appalachia are reflected in the lower levels of income and the higher rates of poverty than in rural counties outside of the region. So, and there's also some discrepancies in uh, Appalachian rural counties and communities having access to broadband um, versus non-Appalachian. Uh, um, areas. As a matter of fact, 25.3% of households in Appala rural Appalachia have no access to the internet. That's a huge amount. That, that compares to 20% of non-Appalachian uh, rural counties. 
Um, so obviously outside they have uh, more have access to broadband and um, more households outside of Appalachia have access to one or more computer devices. So th I, th I thought that was quite telling. Um, when you break down the, uh, actually, let me pull this chart up. Uh, when, when you look at um, central Appalachia, and we're talking about eastern Kentucky, southwest Virginia, uh, southern part of West Virginia, and I guess if you want to loop in some of uh, northeast Tennessee and a little bit of southeast Ohio, you'll see that it's a color-coded map when you actually click on the report and go a little bit deeper. I'm on page 64 of page 181, so you can see there's a lot of information to, to dive in here. Um, that the, uh, and I'm colorblind, so I hope I'm reading this, this correctly. Um, the percentage of people ages 25 to 64 with a bachelor's degree or more in this time frame that we're talking about is between 10% and 19.9%. And this is, what we're talking about central Appalachia. Um, U.S. average is 33 and a half. Now, all of Appalachia combined averages 26.2 and we're talking about even some of the more well-to-do areas that have uh, done well economically and and um, in uh, areas of Pennsylvania uh, areas of North Carolina and it's you know a little bit of South Carolina and areas of Georgia especially as you're a little closer to Fulton County and which is not in Appalachia but the closer you get toward like urban areas uh, you see that those numbers change um, for the better uh, some counties are in dire straits. Uh, if you look at a county like McDowell County, West Virginia, for example, less than 10% of the people there uh, have a bachelor's degree. So I don't know what percentage that is, but it just you know falls in that category of less than 10%. Um, with 27.5% uh, of older Americans, uh, that's ages 65 and older, have had at least a bachelor's degree in this time period we're talking about, less than 10% had one in 57 of Appalachia's 420 counties. It's kind of staggering when you think about that. Um, we, we certainly, even though we're doing a, a decent job catching up for the national averages, we certainly need to do a little bit better. Uh, so those challenges are always there. And I, I don't think there's anyone who's in a leadership position in Appalachia, whether it be political or, or business or, or just, you know, uh, in the culture in general, it's a leader um, would say that we're doing the best we can as far as reaching those numbers. There also was a uh, chapter eight in this report, and then I'll just be brief and then, then I'll, uh, we'll close today. But when it comes to income and poverty, when it comes to central Appalachia, the median household income in central Appalachia is 38,394, uh, $38,394. The median family income was $48,998. And per capita, uh, that falls to 21,942. That's household family per capita income in the Appalachian region. Now, <clears throat> how does that compare to the U.S. as a whole? Well, the median household income in the U.S. is 62000 So if you compare that with you know, 30, 
8,000 in central Appalachia, that's a huge, huge income gap. Uh, same thing for the families. The uh, median family income in America is $77,263 compared with central Appalachia at 48000 And the per capita income uh, in the United States is 34103 Compare that with 21942 uh, for Central Appalachia. Now, that's that's most of the listening audience for this podcast. Now, we do have some that fall outside of that region that listen. So um, this report actually breaks down, and this is on page 116 of 181. It breaks down uh, Appalachia into, into several regions. Uh, Northern Appalachia, North Central Appalachia, Central Appalachia, South Central Appalachia, and Southern Appalachia. And the you know obviously from these numbers the uh, the subregion that uh, suffers the most inequality would be Central Appalachia by a huge margin. Now Appalachia as a whole, if we want to compare the entire region, uh, sixty-two thousand eight hundred forty-three dollars is the median and in, uh, household income in the United States. For the Appalachian region as a whole, that's 51916 So it's still roughly, you know, you're looking at an $11,000, roughly a $10,000, $11,000 difference. And that difference widens a little bit when you get to the median family income, uh, which is uh, in the U.S. it's $77,200. Appalachian region, $65,800. So you can see there's a discrepancy there. And uh, per capita, it's $34,103 in the U.S. versus the Appalachian region as a whole, $28,433. So economically, uh, educationally, um, with, with our income and our poverty rates, I, I won't jump into the poverty rates on this particular uh, podcast, but you know, these things are very much worth noting. So if you get an opportunity, to, uh, make sure you touch, uh, touch base uh, with the arc.gov and look at the report or just jump over to our Facebook page and click on the link there. This is a fascinating uh, chart book, great data and information. And I'm sure in a future episode, we'll, we'll get together with uh, Ernie Binko and uh, Dr. Stratton and uh, we'll, we'll break these numbers down a little bit more and we'll talk about what some of the communities may have as far as suggesting uh, suggestions and policies toward turning this around. And again, I've said this before a million times, and I'll say this again. We have all kinds of solutions for Appalachia coming at us from outside of the region. But what we need are people inside of Appalachia, leaders inside of Appalachia that, you know, that pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of people that give us solutions for Appalachia from Appalachia, not outside of the region per se. So, um, you know, any and all suggestions are always going to be listened to. And I think, you know, everyone would agree to that. Uh, but we need more leadership uh, solutions from our leadership here in the region. And in certain regions, depending on from where you go, uh, there's so many great things happening. You see uh, things happening in the Bristol area and, you know, northeast Tennessee with, you know, Johnson City and Kingsport that do great. Um, you get over to some counties who are comfortable in their in their own skin the way they are. You know, the, the, you know they want moderate growth, but they don't want too much change. But sometimes you have to welcome the change if you want the economic growth and if you want, you know, those those other things along with it. So, 
you know, it's a give and take and um, how much of our culture we're willing to change to, uh, you know, for, for the dollars, the tourist dollars, the, you know, the increase in tax revenues. It's a, it's, it's a discussion and it's something that people from the grassroots level probably need to be having more of. And I'm just going to toss this out there to you, if anyone that's listening, um, if you have any uh, thoughts on you know what your community or your town or county can do better, um, and what you're doing to see you know if there's anything you're doing to see that it's doing better, or if you're leading community forums, discussion groups, let us know. We'd love to chat with people from different parts of Appalachia to kind of get a feel of what's going on in your town and county. And these are these are interesting stories that people need to hear, and these are voices that need to get out there, whether it's citizens groups or local officials. If you're interested in coming on and talking about your town or county or what you're doing to improve or the challenges you face and the, and the things that you need, feel free and touch base with us. You can always contact us through the website. You can contact me directly if you'd like to come on to the program and talk. Uh, my email is jc at supportappalachia.org, and uh, we'd love to love to have more of those voices on. We've been fortunate and lucky to have quite a few people on as, as guests to talk about uh, what's going on in the you know the Bristol area, for example, with the new casino? We've had the mayor of Bristol come on, and you know I've invited some small town mayors, but um, seldom do you hear back. So that that's kind of frustrating when you reach out to local leadership and you don't hear back from people, um, especially when there's things going on that that uh, need to be discussed. So um, we welcome all voices. So uh, we appreciate any and everyone who uh, reaches out and touches base with us, whether you're an artist that want to talk a little bit about what you're doing as far as, um, you know, your your particular craft and and uh, the Appalachian style and flavor you bring to your books or your, your craft or your art uh, to uh, folks who are trying to make a difference with, um, you know, growing tourism and, uh, and developing the area for, you know, tomorrow's future, you know. So thank you very much. Um, also, uh, we are on Spotify and we are on um, iTunes. So you can listen to us on your smartphone. Make sure you hit subscribe. And we're also on podbean.com. So we always post these links up on our Facebook page on social media. So you can listen online, but you can always listen to on your phone. Share the podcast with friends and family. uh, And let's, let's generate more good discussion from the grassroots level on up. Thanks again for listening to Appalachian Shine. And we will see you down the road.